Hi everyone, I'm David Blindauer, and welcome to Conversation with a Manager, Stories from the Frontline. This podcast is dedicated to the proposition that managers, particularly frontline managers, are key to an organization's success. This podcast is also in search of the best advice and counsel from experienced managers for anyone who's new to the role of being a manager. And for this, our final episode of the season, here's your host, Steve King. Hey, thanks, David, and hi to everybody. Yes, this is our last episode of the season. We expect to release a second season of all new interviews later this year. And to keep the conversation going, we'll be releasing bonus tracks from this season's interviews every other week starting June 26th. For this final episode of this first season, we'll be doing something a little different. I've invited my co-host, Betsy Hagen, and our friend, Artel Smith, a long-tenured senior HR executive and author, to reflect on some of the season's interviews. Our goal is to add additional perspectives on key topics raised in various interviews. We talked about nearly all the season's episodes. For the next 20 minutes or so, we'll share our thoughts on four of those episodes, starting with our episode with Shelley Klinger and the management of multiple global teams. The first voice you'll hear is mine, asking our guest Artel about Shelley's interview. Enjoy the exchange of ideas. We'll be back after this first segment to introduce the next. So one of the more unusual podcasts, I think, of the series, uh, this first season, was actually Shelley Klinger's, where she talked about not just managing one team, but actually multiple teams, and not just teams within the United States, but global teams. So she really put really some unusual perspectives on who she had to manage and how she had to manage them. And Artel's more intimate with this because Shelly has worked with Artel for quite a few years. So Artel, I wonder if you offer some perspective on managing team engagement across cultures. Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you for the question. Uh, Shelly Klinger is wonderful at what she does. And so whatever I say is only going to be a little bit of icing on the cake that she already baked. The truth of the matter is that what I have discovered over the last, and it's probably been three years or so, right before COVID and then up till now and even increasing, is that more and more managers have asked the question about how to build a good relationship with individuals who are from another culture. And that could be those who are from another culture in the United States who are working or who are working in another country. And it, and I think what Shelley talked about and what I want to emphasize is that getting to know the individuals on a personal level is what's required to do that well. That one cannot simply take, um, you know, large tectonic plate ideas about a country and the people who live in it and apply that to the team and think to themselves, oh, now I know how to build a relationship with the team and the team members. In fact, I think most managers get in a lot of trouble when they try to do that because generalities don't really speak to the individual. And so just as we've been talking about with some of the other episodes, being able to really get to know the person in the context in which they operate in their own country um, makes the biggest difference in forming a solid foundation to have a relationship. Um, and I've seen Shelley do this uh, with individuals who are working and living in Poland, working and living in Mexico. I've seen her do it with individuals in the UK and Canada and Scotland in India. And in every case, she's applied that 
basic rule, which is it's not about the generality of the context of the individual. It's about the specificity of what that person goes through on a daily basis. So I really felt that was an important thing to bring out. I think it's useful for all contexts, but it's particularly useful when it comes to trying to get to know someone who comes from a culture and background other than yourself. Betsy, you have some thoughts on this? Yeah, so Artel's, um, I think, icing on the cake is great. And it and it kind of takes me a little bit to the conversation that I had with Banu Palta Hill, of which we were not talking about specifically cross-culture issues, but we were talking about this idea of creating environments where people feel that they belong. And I think the message link that I... Uh, that I that I definitely see is this idea of it is all about the individual. It's all about how we contextualize right to the needs of the individual. And then it's all about how we create conditions for people to express the, that individuality on a day to day basis. So it isn't just getting to know someone. It's actually after you get to know someone, you still, as a manager, create environments, conditions, so to speak, where if someone chooses that they want to express themselves um, in their native language, let's say, or if they choose to express themselves in a written format versus, you know, in verbal conversation, that you provide as many different means for people to feel that they can, in fact, participate in the ways, again, that they are going to bring their best selves, their best performance and be their best. To me, that's sort of where these things connected. And I appreciated both those episodes for reminding me that that is something that we have to work on on a regular basis as managers and leaders. And I think this theme echoes through other podcasts as well. I think about the very last thing that Lawrence had to say about students at Morehouse. And those of us who have the privilege of managing folks like that, and he talks about you have to treat them as individuals. You cannot generalize their experiences. So, Steve, which episode do we hear about next? Next, we'll go all the way back to our first episode with Michelle Kaiser and some additional thoughts on mentoring from Betsy and then Artel. So, Betsy, in our very first podcast episode with Michelle Kaiser, she talked about mentoring and managers. And she covered that territory, that waterfront really well. But the one thing she didn't talk about is discussing the when. In other words, when does a manager know it's time to go find a mentor for uh, one of their staff members? I wonder if you can comment on that. Yeah. So one of the things that um, we focus on in um, the program that we offer through CPED and coaching and motivating in the workplace is this idea of um, working on your skill sets to be an effective coach, but recognizing when your coaching isn't necessarily the only way in which your employees are maybe the best way that people that you're working with are going to be able to advance and develop. And I think that question of when comes down to uh, what you bring in terms of your own experience in support of your employees' development is absolutely critical. But we never should underestimate the idea of allowing and, and, and not just allowing, I should say, really setting up people to gain uh, experience and development 
from multiple perspectives. And that means sometimes that they need to hear from other than us. So the when that I would say that to answer your question, Steve, specifically the when, I think it is uh, at the point in which you feel confident that you're bringing all of your experience and you see that the person is ready for perhaps development that comes from another perspective. And that to me is the right uh, place where you pivot, right? From just, you're just hearing from me as your development you know, person, your manager. Um, and now I want you to hear from others. And that can be someone that is your colleague. It can be someone for them who is a peer, um, but starting to think about it from not just your perspective. Yeah. Artel, you want to offer some perspectives on uh, mentoring? Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Um, I'm reminded very much of the Chinese, actually it's a Buddhist proverb, sorry, that was later amended by the Chinese philosophers. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I think that when it comes to mentorships, it's not unusual in my experience to have the person who's perfectly suited to be the mentor to show up and say, I'm wondering about the following two or three people and whether they need to have a mentor. Um, in the organization. And so while there is a, uh, obviously, uh, part of it is if the student is ready and you know that as a manager because you're keeping in close touch with that individual employee, but there's also the mentors, good mentors in the organization who are paying attention to those individuals and making an assessment about when maybe would be the best time to apply some mentorship to accelerate them along their path. So I think timing has uh, two sides of the equation as well. One, what the manager is doing and one, what really great mentors are doing as they pay attention to high performers and good people in the organization. This podcast is supported by NRECA, the National Trade Association representing America's electric cooperatives. NRECA's broad range of products and services include a robust portfolio of leadership programs that provide learners with the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to lead at all levels of their co-op and succeed in today's rapidly changing electric utility industry. Visit cooperative.com learning to explore the value of learning with NRECA. Which episode is up next for discussion? Next, we'll go to our episode with John Stefanik on managing people who are more experienced than yourself. Artel and Betsy have a different take on managers facing this challenge, and I thought this added some excellent new context to the discussion. So here's their take. So Artel, I know that you, uh, you'd mentioned earlier to me that you really enjoyed John's segment, that second episode of ours around being a young manager having to manage experienced employees. So uh, tell me what you liked about that and what your thoughts about John's thoughts. What I thought was really refreshing was John's very matter-of-fact description of the situation where he had individuals who were quite a bit more senior than he who had said they didn't want to be a manager um, and would be ostensibly willing to support him in a manager role and what he needed to do to prove himself. And part of proving himself was, he kind of described it as he had to throw down every once in a while um, in terms of the baking and 
the other things that his team was called upon to do. And I love the way he framed that. And I think it was perfect for the situation that he was in. In considering a little bit more about that situation, it got me to thinking about situations in my past and with other managers that I know where they were, in fact, relatively young in comparison to the individuals that they were managing, but really had not developed anywhere near the level of expertise where they could throw down to the individuals on their team, where, in fact, they were not being paid to do as well from a technical perspective as the individuals on the team. They were there to lead the team and to make it as productive as possible. And so there's a little bit of a yin and yang in how to manage this. I think John managed it perfectly in his situation because he had the skills and was developing them. I think some managers are a little bit in a bind because the deepening of experience over a period of time, in many cases, cannot be hastened. It simply arrives over that period of time. And a manager has to think about what are the things that will make he or she credible to a team that might be technically much more seasoned and capable than the manager herself. So I'd offer the thought that there's other ways that managers can create that level of credibility through the strength of the engagement with the individual, the way that they give and provide feedback, the way that they set goals for the team, the way that they implement strategies. All of those things, I think, are ways to improve the credibility And it just occurred to me that that was a very valuable lesson from John's perspective. And I I heard it very clearly. And it made me wonder about the other side of the coin and what could be done there, too. That's a great that's a great observation. Betsy, you want to weigh in on this one as well? Yeah. So I have I mean, I love so many aspects of every episode. But honestly, the one that impacted me the most just from bringing me back to my to memory and well as just relatability was John's perspective on being that young manager working with other people. And so I have, a, when I look at my career, I almost see the beginning of my career and the ending of my, my corporate career, at least, with the, those exact lessons that, that John was talking about. So the beginning of my career, my first uh, managerial role I was 24 years old. I only got the job because nobody else would take it literally on the team. Um, It was such a bad cultural team dynamic um, that they just asked me, hey, new person, would you mind just coming in and doing this? So not only did people have at least 10 years more experience, they had 10 years more in age for me. So I started out with this idea of what management was coming from a place where nobody listened to me, nor did they necessarily take me seriously. And I had to make that pivot that Artel was talking about to try to figure out how could I add value? And it actually set me, I think, on a really great path of thinking about management from the perspective of it is always, even in cases where you have to throw down with people, where you have to be assertive and you have to be directive, it is always done for the point and purpose of their success, right? It's never done because, oh, I have the authority to do so. It's always done because this is the right way for us to be successful. And so I learned that really early on. And then I left my corporate career in a very unique circumstance where I was just asked to 
take over a team of people of experts, very professional, high level experts who who their leader had left unexpectedly. And the, the, the organization just needed someone to sort of tend to these folks, right, who were really good at what they did, um, support them in ways and in many ways kind of advocate and protect them. And so I thought about John's lessons of what he brought forward in terms of new managers and thinking about it in ways of, you know, the idea of what we think of as our relationship to the people that we work with and who we are and what we're there for. And this idea that it's all about just figuring out how do I bring my experience, my whatever I can in ways that help others to be successful. So, Steve, we have one final episode to debrief. Which episode will it be? The last episode we'll comment on is Lawrence Henderson's episode on holding people accountable. In this segment, it's Betsy who starts off with a question to me. My comments, along with the comments from Artel, speak to both the perspectives of Lawrence and Jen Wilson, our guest debriefer in that episode. So, Steve, I'm wondering, in the context of the Lawrence Jennifer podcast, um, if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about the appropriateness of when it when managers need to or should be more directive in uh, talking to their employees so so first of all i love this segment because i love the metaphor of captain henderson and coach henderson and i thought lawrence did a great job describing the difference and then jennifer my friend jennifer wilson comes in and then kind of like debriefs it and she spends a lot of time talking about the need to be curious which is great and the need to be kind, which is important as well, I think, because she's talking about approaching with some empathy to situations that need some empathy. But I also want to make certain that it's been said out loud that there are times where a manager needs to be very directive. Um, and so there might be a situation where it's urgent and it's risky and the manager needs to be very directive about what he or she wants people to do. And in those situations, they may not even sound very kind doing it, but it is required. And so I, I think that um, I think that we need to give ourselves a little bit of slack that occasionally there's going to be moments in our times as managers where that directness might feel kind of awkward, but it's exactly the right thing to do. So I just want to kind of layer that into the conversation uh, that Lawrence proposed, teed up and and Jennifer expanded on. So I think it's an important element to kind of keep in mind for all of us. We need to sometimes be that way. Steve, could I add a quick thought to that? You bet. Because I think you're absolutely correct. Um, one of the things I found that helps in the moment when you know you have to be very direct is to say to the individual, I'm going to be very direct in my next couple of comments and statements to you. It demonstrates, I think, a self-awareness on the part of the manager that's appreciated by, well, they may not be appreciating it in the moment if you're being very direct, but they will appreciate it later that you, in fact, were self-aware enough to know that it was something difficult for them to hear, even though it was important for you to say. That's my one uh, additional thought on that. So I want to I, I get on the bandwagon Jennifer was on. Doing with kindness is the goal. Just yeah. occasionally it may not sound like kindness in that 
you have to cut yourself some slack and go, okay, that's the situation and that's what it had to be. 100%. That's it for us. Season one is a wrap. We expect to launch a new season with all new interviews later in the year. Starting June 26th and dropping every other Monday after that will be bonus material, segments that we've taken from our first season interviews on entirely new topics. These bonus episodes will be shorter than a regular episode, but we hope that you find this short-form bonus material as valuable as our long-form interviews. And the bonus material gives each of you all some additional things to ponder as we prepare for a new season. And here's Steve with some final thoughts. Thanks to all of our guest managers, our guest debriefers, to Betsy, and our sponsor, the Wisconsin School of Business Center for Professional Executive Development, for helping us make this podcast come together. And a special thanks to David for lending his voice and expertise to the podcast. And finally, thanks to all of you listeners who have joined in. Please let other managers know about this podcast. It is how we will grow our audience. Enjoy the bonus material coming your way in the next few weeks and continue the conversation whenever you can. Support for this podcast comes from NRECA, the National Trade Association representing America's electric cooperatives. Driven by member feedback and engagement, NRECA's mission is to be the trusted resource, champion the cause, and inspire the future of the industry. 